are listening to First Church Charlotte. Amen, amen, amen. Great to see everyone here in the house of the Lord. Everyone joining us online, we're glad to have you in the digital building. So feel free to type amen and all that good stuff. So praise the Lord, everybody. Uh, We are here to exalt the name of the Lord together. Uh, I hope you had a busy week. Uh, There's a lot of people who still are in holiday mode. That's all right. You might as well enjoy it. It's going to pass, and then you're going to wish you had. So all of you who are... Uh, had a great, great holiday season. I say well done. I hope you got everything you wanted. I hope you ate all the food you wanted because now the regret is starting uh, to set in. (laughs) I'm preaching today from this subject, Beyond Bethlehem. Beyond Bethlehem. Uh, Real quick, not next Sunday, but the second Sunday of January, we're starting back on First Steps. So if you've been visiting with us or you are interested in knowing more about our church, uh, we have a class after the 11 o'clock service on Sunday. And it's really a get to know you time. We do cover some of the, some of the, you know, kind of doctrinal type things, but it's really not about that. Uh, it's really about getting to know each other, learning each other's names. That's important. And so that's going to be coming soon. Uh, I want you to be aware of it and be thinking about it. I am going to just tell you what, I've got a lot of scriptures. Let's just get started uh, rather than reading at the beginning. Uh, I want to have you do a mind experiment with me this morning and imagine what comes after Bethlehem. So Uh, We have spent the last month, really, celebrating uh, the birth of of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we should. Can I have an amen? And we have thought about it. Our radios have been filled with songs. Uh, that celebrate Bethlehem, that celebrate the season, and all of that's right, and all of that is good. Uh, Bethlehem is dramatic in its own way. It's, it's often the wrong kind of dramatic, but in its own way, it's dramatic. What I mean by that is sometimes bad experiences make great stories. Uh, chances are the great, your best story is about something that went wrong. And uh, so here is uh, Joseph and Mary, and they are, you know, the wrong kind of dramatic. Uh, they don't have a place uh, for Mary to, to give birth. They don't even have a room. And so it's happening in a barn. Uh, they're laying Jesus uh, in a feeding trough. They're surrounded by all of these animals. There's uh, shepherds who... Uh, have come from the field, which is a good thing because if you're surrounded by animals, it's good to have somebody who knows what to do with them. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's wise men who have traveled. Uh, that's right, brother, just fall out in the spirit. I always knew that we were going to have someone fall out in the spirit right in the middle of the preaching. I uh, just didn't know it was going to be James, but you just let that happen over there, brother. Uh, <laughs> so you, we have, we have uh, wise men coming all the way from Persia, the following the star. This is dramatic. It's, it's exciting. Um, it is sometimes terrifying. Some, sometimes it fills us with fear, but it is a pretty dramatic story. In, in the holiday season, uh, we did, what do we celebrate? We celebrate every detail uh, 
of this pretty dramatic story. And uh, as we should, can I have an amen? As we should. But uh, what comes after that? Well, uh, the story doesn't immediately go to, shall we say, ordinariness. There are some things that happen in the immediate following days, uh, like, for example, Herod makes his uh, plan, his scheme to uh, make sure a king isn't born in uh, that part of the country, and he actually threatens uh, and, and t- takes the lives of babies born in that part of the country to, in some way, make sure a king doesn't arise to challenge his throne. That's pretty dramatic, but it's the wrong kind of dramatic. It's horrible. It's terrifying. And uh, and then, because of this, uh, the angel of the Lord warns Joseph and Mary to go uh, uh, back, uh, actually to leave the part of the country. Uh, they actually journey down into Egypt for a while to protect uh, this this to protect the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is all the wrong kind of drama. But after that, the story, as it were, fades from uh, story time. It's no longer an easy story to tell. First of all, we don't have details. Uh, Second of all, it seems as though the ordinariness of life has, as it were, settled upon them. Once they make it through the drama of Bethlehem, through the horrible threat of Herod, uh, they make the journey to Egypt. It's almost as though ordinariness begins to be the the regular daily bread of Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. Uh, just ordinariness, and that's not the kind of thing of which stories are made. Stories are not made by ordinariness. Stories are made by threat, by challenge, by struggle. Stories are not made by ordinariness. Imagine this moment if you're baby Jesus. Now, we've all been babies, but none of us remember it. <laughs> if you remember being a baby, well, you are a special person. I, I, I think maybe you should get back on your medications or something. Um, you are a very special person if you remember being a baby, but we all have been uh, babies. Um, if you've been so blessed to have babies in your house, and uh, admittedly, babies are a lot of work, and all you parents say amen. Babies are a lot of work. Those of you who are about to have your first baby, blessings upon you. I will be there to take hugs and kisses from the baby and then give him or her right back to you. Uh, Babies are a lot of work, but oh, if you don't have children, you've missed a lot of the beauty of life. I just say that as a parent. My dad always said that to me. I kind of thought I knew what he was talking about, but I really didn't. I was just acting wise. That's what you do. You just fake it until you make it. Uh, If you were a baby or if you were parents of a baby, what's the first big, as it were, accomplishment that uh, is celebrated? Uh, You might think that it is, you know, once you're potty trained, that's a big deal. Um, That's going to take a while. (laughs) That's not going to be the first one uh, that you accomplish. There's going to be some ones you accomplish before that one. Um, Maybe maybe the first big accomplishment for a baby is rolling over. How many of you have ever seen a baby roll over for the first time? I've been honored to see a baby roll over for the first time. 
at least three times I've been there when a baby rolled over for the first time. And there's this really amazing expression on their face that if you haven't experienced it, you just miss it. Because they're laying there on their belly or on their back and they're just grunting. They're just unhappy. They don't like being helpless. And they're just like, and the most horrific expressions that have ever been offered by the human race are a baby who hasn't yet learned how to turn over. And they're like chewing the blanket, uh, and they're pushing themselves up. And then all of a sudden, for the very first time, they get all twisted back and ah, 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 boom, they fall over. If you look at their face right then, there is such surprise and a sense of accomplishment. You will never have a greater sense of accomplishment than when you turned over for the first time. That face is like, whoa, what just happened? And they look at you like, did you do that or did I do that? Uh, that is something that we may notice, parents. We don't necessarily talk a lot about it or celebrate it, but something we do celebrate is the first time the baby walks. That's a big deal. Uh, I, uh, this week was, I didn't know what I was preaching and I uh, just didn't, I, I was uh, looking at pictures and whatever. This was, uh, I was behind this week and I happened to come across videos of, 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 of Ellery learning to walk for the first time. And I had this one video where she has a, one of those pacifiers with the little teddy, teddy bears on them. And she has three of them, one's in her mouth and one's in each hand. And she's in a diaper and she's walking for the first time holding these trophies of her accomplishment. And she loved her passies. And so uh, she's like walking, you know, in the manner that a baby walks, it's not like you walk. It's kind of like, whoa, Jesus, oh, whoa, ah, and then they run the last two steps and dive on you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, all parents think their children are the cutest children who've ever lived. And in uh, my case, it's true. Uh, and you guys are deceived, but the Lord will be with you anyway. And um, I'm watching this picture of, of her learning to walk, and I'm just so Think she's so cute, and I'm watching her stagger around. And I thought to myself, you know, the first thing, uh, what was job number one after Bethlehem? Well, Jesus had to learn to walk. No one's been raised from the dead yet. (laughs) Uh, There's been no angels. There's been uh, well, there's been angels, but they were other people were seeing them. Uh, There's been no demons rebuked. There's been what? What is job number one after Bethlehem? Uh, Note to self: need to learn how to walk. Now I'm having fun with that. I'm enjoying it. Uh, But I want you to consider this as a believer. It is very important that you learn how to spiritually walk. Now, you don't know what to do with that. You're like, where is he going? Now, I I want you to see after Bethlehem, after the star, after the angelic host, after the gold gifts and the frankincense and the myrrh, after the shepherds, uh, after the prophecy, after the dedication, uh, job one is learning how to walk. So let me tell the same story a little bit differently. When you came to God, the spirit of the Lord drew you. When you first came to God, you had a sense of God's presence near to you. And you begin to think about how you needed to get right with God. And there was perhaps much emotion in this journey and a lot of question. And uh, you didn't know how to pray yet. And so you had to learn how to pray. And you had to learn how to open your heart to God. And, and maybe you found a place to pray in your home. Maybe you prayed with someone else who was perhaps teaching you a Bible study or something. Or maybe you started coming
coming to church, but you had never clapped your hands in church, so you had to learn how to do that. You had never waved your hands in church, so you had to learn how to do that. You didn't know how to clap on the two and the four and pat your foot on the one and the three. You have to learn how to count out claps. Some of you have been serving God for many years, and you're still clapping on the one and the three. I want you to know you are not saved. You are not saved until you learn how to pat your foot on the one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now you can go to heaven, y'all. Now you will avoid hell, y'all. You see what I'm saying in this place? Um, uh, you had to learn everything. You, you had never cried in church. You had never taken that socially difficult moment to step out of a seat and come down to an altar and bow your knees and then finally you decide I'm going to give it a shot and you and you started closing your eyes in church and you started clapping your hands in church and it wasn't too long before you realized you needed to repent of your sins in church and you repented of your sins in church my God forgive me and when that heaven when that happened all the angels of heaven I don't know if the church noticed but all the angels in heaven was shouting hallelujah and then wow up in front of everybody you got baptized in Jesus name anybody been baptized in Jesus name if you haven't you need to get baptized in Jesus name and then you received the manifestation of tongues as a sign of God's precious gift in your life the infilling of the Holy Spirit wow that's exciting and there's this new honeymoon spiritual phase and you're excited and you're on fire. And man, oh man, it's a dramatic. And there's shepherds and there's stars and there's wise men. There's gold, there's frankincense and myrrh. And then you got to learn how to walk it out. You can't shout forever. Although you should keep shouting. You can't float on cloud nine forever. Although, thank God for those opportunities when we get to float. You can't fly around on the wings of an angel all the time. You have to learn how to walk. Now, why am I doing this? This image of walking is the most common image in all of the scripture, not just New Testament, Old Testament and New Testament, the most common image shown in scripture to people of faith on how we pray progress. Hear me, how we progress with God, the most common image for our understanding and our teaching is that you walk with God. You walk with God. You walk with God. Not flying, not running, not dancing. You may get to all those things from time to time, but progression is one foot in front of the other. I was here and now I'm there. I'm not over there yet. You see, you will destroy yourself growing in God if you think you're going to jump from here to over there. The people who are over there didn't jump over there. They put one foot in front of the other and then this foot in front of this one and then this foot in front of that one and they walked over to there. I don't care how spiritual, how powerful, how mighty your mentors are. I don't care how spiritual, how powerful your mighty, uh, your spiritual parents or, or the like are. I don't care how powerful uh, your, your pastor, your preacher, your prophet, 
prophet anybody is, they did not get that way jumping through nine flights of stairs. They put one foot here and then one foot there and one foot here and one foot there. And this, you see what I'm trying to say? You, let me say it this way. If Jesus had to learn how to walk and he was God, we have to learn how to walk this life of faith. And so let me give you some scriptures on this uh, to show you the continual nature of this example shown in the scripture. This is repeated over and over again. It's the most common image of spiritual progression given in all the word of God. In fact, it is, I would, I would say, I didn't count, but it is my guess that this image is used more than all the other ones combined. This walking with God is used more than all the other other ones combine Romans 6 chapter chapter number 6 verse number 4 therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father even so also we should walk somebody say walk we should walk in newness of life. Second John chapter one, verse number six. And this is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Third John chapter one, verse number four. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Ephesians two Verse number 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should, say it with me, walk in them. Ephesians 4, verse number 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are you are called. Ephesians 5, verse number 15, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Ephesians 5, 16. Then I say, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How about 2 Corinthians 5 and 16? This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. This is the most common image given to us over and over and over. I believe it is given more than all other images of spiritual progression in the kingdom of God. There is a reality to our lives and that is this. If I ask you how far you can run, you probably will say not very far. But if I ask you how far you can walk, this is the truth. You were made for walking and you can walk every day for the rest of your life. Your progression with God is going to be built in the manner of somebody who gets up in the morning, puts one foot in front of the other and does it till the sun goes down. They are restored in their rest and the next day they put one foot in front of the other till the sun goes down. This is the image.
image of Abraham, the father of our faith, the one who showed us by lived example what it would mean to live by faith. I want to read to you a passage uh, here early in uh, the minister or in the the life of uh, Abraham. He has long since left the land of his fathers. He has all long since journeyed up through uh, the land of the Babylonian Empire. He has long since crossed the Euphrates rivers up to the foothills of the snowy mountains of Lebanon. And there he again is turned southerly, uh, uh, in a southern direction, I should say. Uh, He is turning back to a land that God has promised him. He has finally arrived. He has long since answered the question, uh, can I take a promise of God for myself? That was answered a long time ago. He has long since answered the question of will he obey? What was the commandment to leave your country, your kindred, and seek a city to pursue a place I will show you? That's no longer the issue. He has long since left his homeland. He has long since made it through Babylon. He has long since crossed the Euphrates. He has long since showed that he is able to claim a promise of God for himself. He has just now got to where God wants him to be. And what is the commandment of the Lord to him? Genesis 13 and 17. Arise, walk through the land. Walk through the land. Walk through the land. In the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto you. He's no longer answering the question of whether or not he can believe. That's done. This is an example of him in the place God has promised him, living out the promises of God. How is he going to do that? He's going to walk the length and the breadth of a land as a pilgrim. And what is he going to do? He's going to claim it for God. Oh, I wish someone would hear me here today. He is in the place God has put him. What is he called to do? You walk in it and you claim it for God. You, just like Father Abraham, are placed by God. What do you do in the place of God's destiny for you? You walk through the land and you claim it for God. You want to know why you're working where you're working? Because God needs someone there to claim it for the kingdom of God. You want to know why there are co-workers that the Lord has placed by you? Because God wants you to claim their souls for the kingdom of God. Abraham, you have no army to hold the land. Doesn't matter. I'm claiming it. I'm not taking it by force. I'm claiming it. I'm walking through this land and I'm speaking another kingdom over this land. Every one of you called by God, you are going to walk it out out. Did you hear what I said? You're going to walk your anointing out. You're going to walk your destiny out. You are going to walk your promise out. And everywhere your footsteps, you say, I'm claiming this for God. When you drive through your neighborhood, you need to say, I'm placed here for a purpose and I'm claiming it for God. When you go see family members who aren't serving God, you need to say, I am placed here for a purpose. I claim this family for God. After Bethlehem, even Jesus has to learn how to walk. I do not believe his first steps 
were accomplished by divine power. I believe, like the Bible says, he grew in knowledge, he grew in favor. In other words, in order for him to be tempted, there had to be a becoming, a realization of who he was in God. And so in these early years, he is like a human child, unsure of place, unsure of risk, unsure of future, unsure of destiny. And he will step into that as he becomes. And so when he is learning to walk, it's not by miraculous power that as he is walking, he's learning to walk the way you learn how to walk. First, you're turning over and then you're learning how to crawl. And then you're kind of getting up when you can hold on to something. And then you're taking short steps of faith between here and here. And later on, you're able to walk. I believe that is exactly how Jesus is learning to walk. This example, I'm having fun with it today, yes, but I want you to see spiritually, this is exactly how we grow in our faith. To be a person of faith is to be able to look at circumstances and then choose the promises of God. I won't be able to do that in the beginning as well as the years will teach me to do. Do I have any witnesses in this house? In the beginning, I'm going to have to learn how to just take a step of faith and then grab on to the word to keep me up. <laughs> in the beginning, I'm going to have to learn how to just take a step of promise and then grab on to a brother or a sister. Well, you want to be careful grabbing on to sisters. That can always go wrong. I want to take a step and get a hold of somebody who is stronger than me and they can remind me of the promises of God. That's why you ought to come to church. That's why you ought to worship together with brothers and sisters. Because I take a step and then somebody says, you're going to make it. And I take a step and they sing, he's God and he is mine and I am his. I take a step and the preacher preaches. I'm learning how to walk. I'm getting better at it. I'm stumbling a little bit. Have you noticed babies fall down a lot? The first thing the baby learns is how not to fall on its face. You don't know this if you haven't been around children, but children become experts at sitting down before they fall. That's why God put Patton back there. Well, there's a couple reasons for that, but one of them is so babies can sit down right before they fall. I want you to watch baby learn how to walk. They'll be like this. They'll be like, they rarely will fall on their face. They'll be like, ah, plop. They will grab a seat and they will protect themselves. I want you to know our walk with faith can often seem like it's filled in the same manner with try but it was a little bit too far and I had to take a knee <laughs> I tried but I needed to grab on to something don't stop learning to walk even Jesus learned to walk beyond Bethlehem are practical things like walking it out and so it is in our life of faith, and uh, we learn to walk it out. This scriptural image is shown to us again and again in the scripture. Jesus heals people, and uh, he 
demonstrates their healing by them walking. In John 5, uh, John 9 and 5, and the musicians, you can come. Uh, there's a question about who he is and whether or not he can forgive sin. And Jesus answers this question by saying, whether it's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and walk. This promise is still for you today. You should spiritually arise and walk. Why? Because your sins have been forgiven you. Take up thy bed and walk. Acts 3 and 6, you see Peter saying, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I'm speaking to somebody here. You've sat too long at the gates of God's promise. You've sat too long, too close to the Shekinah glory of God. You need someone to speak the word of faith to you and say, rise up and walk. If you've been serving God for a long time, the difficulty of being spiritually pragmatic can weigh you down and the heaviness of it can cause you to wonder and you can begin to ask yourself uh, about uh, the difficulties of this way you have you have chosen. But I, I want you to know in uh, the word of the Lord that we have promise for restoration for the weary. We have promise for strength to the lonely and the frustrated. Uh, the, the psalmist, he told of a time when he, he said, uh, my feet had almost gone. He almost, he said, my steps had well nigh slipped. I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Let me give you a little uh, Bible study here very quickly, or not a Bible study, but just something you can take with you, and I'll give you this at a holiday discount, okay? It goes like this. You want to slip and fall spiritually? Compare yourself to other people. That's just for, for our discount holiday rate right there. Uh, if you want to make yourself spiritually miserable, compare yourself uh, to other people. In fact, it's worse than that. If you want to make yourself miserable in general, compare yourself with other people. First of all, you don't know their journey and you don't know what they have and what they don't have. All you see is uh, the perception of what they have. It might feel very different to be them than it does to see them from afar. Free yourself from that. David compared himself to unbelievers around him. And he said it nearly took his ability to walk. His feet almost slipped. But when he got back into the house of the Lord, oh, hallelujah. When I went into the sanctuary of God, that is where strength is given anew and afresh. How do I make this real for you? How, how do I, I, I think usually there's no better way to do that uh, then to, to personalize it and tell you a story. Um, I, 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 I want to tell you about uh, being a young preacher, being so desperate uh, to be used of God in a, a mighty way. I, I had a lot of ambition that probably was more motivated by vanity uh, than it was anything else. And I, as a young preacher, had what you might think of as a bit of a greedy soul. And I, I wanted so much to see the dramatic evidence in uh, my life, in my ministry, or I felt that I, if I wasn't seeing that, if I wasn't experiencing that, then in some way I was uh, a ministerial failure. Now, I don't, I can't say that anyone had 
put this on me because I don't believe anyone had. Um, I certainly had not grown up in an environment where you're only, you only have the real thing if the dramatic happens. Um, I probably was just a young man and felt the duty, the obligation, and the insecurity of uh, wanting not just to be a man of God, but wanting to be the man of God. <laughs> and not wanting just to deliver a message, but to deliver the message. And I, I thought that by effort, I could earn it. Now, if you want to make yourself miserable, try to earn God's favor. <laughs> I mean, that's just a path to, that's like a, you know, the cutting problem that some people develop and they have, it's like spiritual cutting, you know, <laughs> I've got to do better. I've got to do better. I've got to do better. And I, I fell into that through ignorance and um, I thought that I could earn it. And I, I thought I wasn't having the kind of revivals I heard other people talk about. Um, it was years before I figured out that the revival was always better in the past than it was in the present. True story, true story. You know, if you were there, you were like, my God, I got to pay the rent. But when you look back, you'll be like, there was this service and the power of God fell. And uh, I, I thought that I could earn it. And I put myself in this increasing series of trying to earn it. And I thought we need to pray more and we do need to pray more. So I started praying more and I started having uh, every morning of, of revival, we'd have 6 a.m. prayer meeting. And then I would have, I would be at the church 6.30 to 7.30 to perform the service that night I would be praying and 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. I'd be praying I thought God's got to give me revival now I've got to have the word there's got to be the miracle signs and wonders now and it just wasn't happening the way I thought it should happen and and so I, I thought I wasn't praying enough and so then I I'd made a commitment to God every day of revival I'm going to pray from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. and then before service I'm going to pray from 5 30 p.m. to 7 30 p.m. and I, I was praying four hours a day now to you spiritual people that's not a lot but to carnal people like me, four hours a day was about to kill me. And uh, I was praying and I was praying and I was praying. And I, I still was uh, just experiencing good revival. I was just experiencing solid church. I was just walking it out, just walking it out, just walking it out. And I, uh, there's some part of me, my greedy soul within me, there's got to be more. I said, man, if, uh, now I'm going to try to make a deal with God. Now, none of you spiritual types have ever, ever tried to make a deal with God, but I, I tried to make a deal with God. I was like, Lord, maybe my vanity's keeping it back because I was aware of vanity in the pulpit. I, I was. I, I, I knew that risk. And so I, I started praying, Lord, if you'll give me uh, miracles, I, I won't be the one to tell other people about them. I'll let the fame of them be spread abroad. It won't come for me. And Lord, if you give me a hundred soul revival, then I, I'll never tell anybody you gave it to me. And um, that kind of misses the point looking back now. But at the time, it was how I formulized it. And it's still, you know what we were doing? We were just walking it out. Uh, good services, good church, good, but we were not not having um, the dramatic. We were just walking it out. So then uh, my wife and I decided we had to do more. And uh, on top of all this, we decided, we made a commitment that every day of revival, she and I would do, we would do outreach in the city we were in. And we'd print up our own flyers and, 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 and we would do all this. And well, I would do some of it. She would do some of it. But um, uh, I don't want to try to act like that we're super spiritual. That's not the point of the story. Um, I everything we could do. And, and let me tell you what happened. We never, I never got to that place of the dramatic 
soaring in the spirit. I felt it at times. I never lived there. I never got to the point where I was running with them that run. I ran a few times, but I never lived a life on foot running. I very much walked my years of ministry out Sunday after Sunday, prayer meeting after prayer meeting, outreach after outreach. I walked it out. I wanted the glorious. I wanted the dramatic, but I walked it out. Now, let me tell you how that affected me. After a few years, I I very much burnt out. I very, very much burnt out. And where there had once been uh, enthusiasm, now there was a battle with bitterness and a battle with resentment. And I, full story, not to make myself look good, to make myself be honest, I went through a season, I almost lost my faith. I almost quit the ministry. I almost did something else because I had to accept the the fact that this is not a story of flying with angels. It's not a story of running with cheetahs or running with horses. It's a story about taking this foot and putting it right there and say, I claim this step for the kingdom of God. And then you take this foot and you put it right there and you say, I claim this step for the kingdom of God. It shouldn't have been hard for me. I had seen that demonstrated for me growing up in the faith. I had seen that, but I wanted more. And when I could not have it, I put myself in a trial that should have never been. Joy found my life when I learned how to walk it out day after day. I don't know what this day is going to hold, but I'm going to sing your praise today. I'm going to stand on your word today, and I'm going to celebrate your promise. I want to preach to people who are walking it out every day. If something mighty happened, let me tell you about something that mighty that just happened. Last Sunday, uh, we had uh, one of the uh, families who's just recently been coming to church. They're not here today. Um, her name is Rachel. Uh, a month ago, she was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer. They had found with scan spots on her lungs and she asked us to pray. She came on a Sunday morning and asked us to pray. This past Sunday, uh, my wife was coming by and she caught her, told my wife her testimony and I went back and she told it to me. She went for the biopsy after being diagnosed with lung cancer and they took the biopsy and they they actually cut the pieces out and uh, come to find out she did not have lung cancer. Uh, She had an infection in her lungs and they said, well, this is not how infections are normally seen in the lungs, uh, uh, but we're glad to give you good news. And she was like, yeah, I'll tell you what happened. God healed me. That was last Sunday here in the church, a testimony of the miraculous power of healing in his house. Now hear me. I am not saying you won't have testimonies of the miraculous. Somebody say yes. I am telling you, you will have testimonies of the miraculous. I'm telling you, there will be services that are so for you. Uh, Someone told me this this morning. From the very first song, it was like it was for me. And you say, my Lord, I'm so glad that the Lord arranged the whole service for me. I'm not saying you won't have services like that. This is what I'm saying. After the miracle, when the sun comes up the next day, uh, you're going to walk it out. 
after the star fades, you're going to learn how to walk. After the wise men leave, you're going to learn how to walk. After the shepherds go back to the day job, you are going to learn how to walk. And Monday's going to follow Sunday, and you're going to get up. You're going to sort yourself out. You're going to get in your car. You're going to drive to church. You're going to say, use me today, Lord. I don't know how it's going to happen. Lead me today, Lord. Empower me today, Lord. You're going to take this foot, and you're going to put it in front of this foot, and you're going to say, I claim it for the kingdom. I claim it for the kingdom. I claim it for the kingdom. You are going to walk it out. If Jesus had to learn how to walk, I promise you, the rest of us have to learn how to walk. Here I am, Lord, in the place you have put me. Here I am, Lord, in the promised land. Here I am standing. I left the land of my fathers. I crossed the Babylonian Empire. I crossed the Euphrates. I came all the way up to the mountains of Lebanon. And I am here looking at this land you have promised. Now then, what would you like me to do now that I'm here? And this is what I'd like you to do, the Lord said. I'd like you to walk up it and I'd like you to walk down it. I'd like you to walk side to side and everywhere your footsteps, I'd like you to claim it because I will give it to you. Lord, I claim this city. I claim this community. As believers, we are spread out all over the metro area. We have people all the way from the south to the north. We are spread out. And today at the end of this service, these good people are going to radiate out like spokes of a wheel all through this metro area. Our feet figuratively are going to be planted in every corner of this city. And as we go, we're going to say this in Jesus' name. We claim this city for your kingdom. Do I have anybody to claim that with me here today? There are people watching this live stream all over the metro area from the south to the north. And Lord, you have placed us strategically according to your will. And we are surrounded by hurting people, lonely people, broken people. And you have called us to walk in the height and the breadth of this land. And you have called us to claim it. Everywhere our footsteps you're going to give it to us. And so, Lord Jesus, I'm claiming revival in the south part of this city. And I'm claiming revival on the west part of this city. I'm claiming it all to the east. I'm claiming it to the north. And here, Lord Jesus, in the core city, I'm claiming an outpouring of your spirit. Don't let COVID and our experience with it simply introduce a new day of lazy Christianity, but awaken within the hearts of good people a passion to join with other good people and be the body of Christ to walk it out, to demonstrate the promises of God, to manifest the kingdom of God. Don't let this hour be marked by us hiding in our homes uh, as passive Christians. But as this season of sickness passes, as the season of infection passes, let the church arise, not needing the miraculous or the glorious to show up, but willing to walk out the promises of God. Let it happen among us, I pray in Jesus' name. And can somebody say amen? 
Would you stand with me all over the house? Oh, yes, Lord. Somebody needs to hear the word of the Lord here today. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. Mm. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. It's easy to walk when everything's great, but I want you to know it's in the ordinariness of your life that you're going to walk out this promise. It's in the ordinariness of your life that you're going to manifest a witness for the kingdom of God. It's in the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdayness of life that you're going to demonstrate the keeping power of God. It's going to be just in the small things that you demonstrate the promises of God. I am challenging everyone in this house to make a commitment today to walk with the Lord. Lord, we don't have to be entertained with the dramatic. We will take it when it is given, but we're going to walk with you. We commit ourselves. Somebody pray this prayer with me right now. Lord, I commit myself to walk with you. I'm not up in the air about this, Lord Jesus. I'm not looking for religious entertainment, Lord Jesus. I'm not looking for something to just kind of, you know, give me an emotional shot in the arm. I'm making a decision today. Come what may, I'm going to walk with you. I'm committed here today, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I, I want to pray for everybody here who has been weary. If, 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 you'd, if, if you'd be honest in the presence of the Lord and, and you'd, like, you'd like to make that confession of faith uh, right now that you've, you've grown weary and heavy in the journey, would you just lift your hands all across the house right now? That's right. That's, don't, be, don't be bashful. This is good for us to do. We're going to pray right now for a restoration, a consecration, a renewal. All across the house, church, pray with me right now. Lord, I'm praying for every individual that had the courage of soul to make spiritual confession here today of a weariness in their spirit, a heaviness in their walk. Oh, Lord God, the enemy would like us to give up. The enemy would like us to convince ourselves that because we're not flying with angels or running with young men, Lord Jesus, that we are in some way doomed to fail. But Lord God, this is not the case. We're going to walk it out day by day. Some days will be easier than others, but we're going to walk out the bad days too. 
Sometimes will be more entertaining than others, but we're going to walk out the boring seasons too. We are committed here today to know you, to walk with you, to please you with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say in Jesus' name all across this house. In Jesus' name. I want to. I want to. I want to do something. I wanted to end this service a little different here today. I, I, there's a song I want to. It's old song. Some of you will know it. Most of you won't. And it's a. It's an old spiritual. And I, I want to sing it. And and it'll take you a minute to kind of get with me on it. But there's a reason for that. So just work with me here for a moment. It goes like this. Walk with me. Tedious is the right word. Tedious journey. I know we're singing Pilgrim, but the original song says tedious. I'll explain. Walk with me, Lord. Walk with me. All right, let's try it again. This time I'm going to say, take my hand. you, Lord. Take my hand, Lord. Take my hand. As I walk, as I walk this pilgrim It's a little bit louder. I want to hear this side. Walk with me, Lord. Walk with me. Nobody knows because it's a spiritual. No one knows who wrote that song. It is part of the African-American Christian tradition in American history. Now, there's an interesting story. And I, the, the whole story of slavery and equal rights, all of that, uh, it's part of the American story. And tragically, it's often politicized to the point where... Uh, that's not what I'm trying to do today. I'm not trying to do politics, okay? 
Um, we're done with politics, hopefully for a little while. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> so um, I, I want I, I want to do something different here. I, I want you to know a little bit of history about this story. Um, so when many of the African slaves were brought to America, they weren't Christians when they were brought. They learn Christianity here. Now, uh, there's exceptions to everything, but for the most part, that's my understanding. Most of them came with more of the inheritance of their, their lands they came from. They came to America, they were introduced to uh, the story of Jesus, but it wasn't by the masters, the owners who introduced them. Why? More church history, okay? There was a very strong debate in the church of whether or not this was moral. And uh, the, the strongest, many of the strongest fighters against that slavery uh, was from the Christian tradition. They were some of the strongest fighters uh, were those for emancipation uh, was Christians. But tragically, there were other people in the church who tried to say it wasn't for them it wasn't for uh, the African slaves who'd been brought to America, okay? Well, I'm telling you this story for a reason. And so you have this situation where it's a contested acceptance. Now, the story of Jesus is beautiful. Do you see? It's a beautiful story. It is a story that you take it anywhere in the world and it gets traction with people. The, the largest religion in the world today is Christianity. Uh, check, if you doubt me. It's the largest one. That's because everywhere you take this story, it gets traction. It touches people's hearts. A God who loves me, a God who understands my brokenness, and then a God who was broken for me that I might take his wholeness. That makes sense to the moral interior of the human experience. Okay? And so these slaves, they heard the story and redemption touched their heart too. It wasn't that they were being evangelized. The moment they became Christians, the theological debate got more difficult because there was another sub-debate that once they became Christians, you should no longer own them. So they have everything against them. Do you see? They don't have this inheritance. They come into a terrible condition of slavery. And here they are. And they're touched by a story that is beautiful. And yet they're having to believe it at the hands of people claiming it who are doing terrible things. Everything is against them. And it is out of this contested environment where everything is against them that they start to have faith. And Christianity begins to get traction among the uh, people and their children who today are uh, what nearly 15% of Americans uh, that is from that inheritance that heritage and again it's been so politicized it's awkward to even talk about why am I talking about it this is why I'm talking about it because imagine that you have newly become a person of faith but there's not a church for you there's not a church for you. If you're going to have church, you're going to have to have church wherever you can have church. Churches will come later. Later, they'll have churches, okay? The, the, the people who own you are not super happy about you becoming a believer. It would be simpler for them if you didn't. Everything is against you. And it is out of this, this milieu, this witch's brew of pain and suffering that spirituals, songs that we sing today, 
we call spirituals were written. Do you see? There's a beauty in that. Now, if you listen to these songs, one thing you'll notice is all of them can be sung while you're working. The unique sound of the African-American spiritual is that you can sing it while you're working. Now, you can't say that about all Christian music. You try singing the hallelujah course while you're working. You will soon be exhausted from hallelujahs. But all spirituals have this feel that you can sing them while you're working. Or let me say it this way. You can sing them while you're walking. Yeah. With me, Lord. Walk with me. You feel that? You feel it? Walk with me. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just shoveling out a barn. Walk with me. You seen an angel today? Nope, just shoveling out this barn. You're still singing, aren't you? As I shovel this nasty horse maneuver. Come on now. Walk with me. Uh-oh, we got something happening up here. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. What are you doing? I'm just picking cotton. I'm just picking cotton. Walk with me, Lord. Walk with me. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just taking care of the field. Walk with me, Lord. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just taking care of the duties that I have. I got a to-do list. Things aren't going good. My back hurts. Like I can't quit. As I walk this pilgrim journey. Hear me, church. You're going to have to find a song that fits a walking pace because you can't run forever. You need to find some music that fits a stride rhythm because you're not going to fly every day. You're not going to run every day. You're not going to fly every day. There's not going to be a heavenly host every day. Let me tell you something about you. People are not going to show up with gold, frankincense, and myrrh and give to you every day. That might happen once, but it ain't happening every day. You know what you're going to have to learn to do the rest of the time? Walk one foot in front of the other. Walk. Shepherds may come singing occasionally. That ain't going to happen every day. The rest of the days, you're going to walk. You're going to walk. You're going to have stuff to get done. You're going to have tires go flat. You're going to have transmissions go out. You're going to need to replace the roof on your house. You're going to get sick. Your kids are going to tell you off and then you're going to ground them. You're going to have a fight with your wife and decide whether or not you're skipping church that Sunday because you had a fight. No angels, no drama, no excitement, no wise men, no gold. You better find a song you can sing while you work. You better find a song you can sing while you walk. And you just day after day. Things aren't easy, but I'm not quitting today. Things haven't been easy, but I'm not giving up today. I've been sicker than I like to be, but I'm going to church. Things have been tighter financially, but I'm still supporting the work of God. Walk with me. Come on, I want to hear you sing it. Walk with me through the good times and the bad times. Walk with me, Lord. Walk with me. All along this 
listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.